and away we go. See? It starts just like that. You're okay. You're fine. I'm just waiting. You're so nervous. I'm on edge. Here we go. That's just for the drums and bass to come in. Not yet. Go. Well, brothers and sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. Matt Donnelly and Godot are gone, but we're broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South. And our guest... What? Now go again. Okay. And our guest today, and me, Pips the Mighty Dragon. Yes, Pips the Mighty Dragon. Now over to your host, preaching love, it's Penn Gillette. Jesus, that was good. Yes. Did a fine job. Preaching love, preaching love, preaching love. You know, I just got as we were just coming on. I got a, um, I got a text from uh, Dara Godfried, Gilbert Godfried's widow, and I've been in touch with her very much because no one knows more about being a widow than me. So I've been, uh, you know, advising her. On, right. uh, yeah, and um, you know, of course, it's heartbreaking. She has two teenage children, and uh, they've both lost their father, so they're grieving intensely, and so is Dara, and you know trying to make life go on. But Gilbert, you know what a big loss that is for you. And then a big loss for me. And then, you know, anybody that was a fan of his, it's a big loss. People that loved him and were close to him, it's a bigger loss. And for his family, um, uh, just unfathomable, right? So um, Kathy Schaefer, who's Paul Schaefer's wife, they were were very close. The Schaefers and the Gottfrieds were very close. And... um, uh, she wanted to go visit uh, Gilbert's grave. Now, everybody involved in this is atheist, you know, from Gilbert on down. But there's still something about visiting a grave. I mean, when I went to my parents' graves, it it, it means something, you know. So she went there. And her idea, which is funny but also touching and kind of wonderful, is she wanted to leave hotel toiletries there. Because uh, if you knew Gilbert at all or just listened to him at all, you know that part of his problems is, is, is his weird kind of OCD that he had and his money problems. He took everything from hotel rooms. So when he went over his house before he was married, you know, when I used to kind of tend to him more, you'd go to his house and there was just cardboard boxes around. He'd lived there for 15 years in like apartment. Nothing was out of cardboard boxes, and there was no furniture, you know, like an old couch someone had given him, and, a, you know, TV on a cardboard box. And um, then there was boxes upon boxes upon boxes of hotel soaps, shampoos, conditioners, hand cream, shower caps, combs, rays, anything they would give you in a hotel, he would take, and he would pack it away, like every T-shirt anybody gave him. That's all he wore were various radio stations he'd been on were t-shirts. So he took the bottle, the number of bottles of shampoo was, um, it went beyond funny into kind of frightening. And Gilbert was unable to throw those away because they were free. And this was stuff that could be used. So uh, I'd go over to his uh, apartment in New York, which is a multi-million dollar condo a rich person place, you know, doorman building everything because his wife took care of all that. She was good at spending his money. And then there would be like a room that was just full of hotel toiletries. So um, 
Kathy uh, uh, Schaefer in a um, touching but also funny idea decided to go to the grave and leave off a free bottle of shampoo and conditioner and moisturizer and a little bar of soap. That was her idea of a, of a tribute, which I think is kind of nice, you know. And she got there, and I was sent a picture of the grave. It was already there. <laughs> Somebody had already done it. Somebody had already done it, yeah. People are leaving hotel toiletries at Gilbert's grave. Oh, Isn't that kind of great? That's kind of great. <laughs> I used to take all the hotel stuff. Mm-hmm. Until I went to Sweden once, I stayed there for, I did it. And there was actually a blonde in the room you could take? No, sadly not. I stayed there for 11 nights, so I had uh, 10 days worth of toiletries, uh-huh. Got put them in my luggage, and what I didn't realize is, is that 10 days worth of toiletries is actually quite heavy, <laughs> so I had to pay excess baggage, <laughs> thus removing any savings I made. Now, um, this is important, I suppose. Um, I know the answers for Gilbert. But for you, when you were taking all your toiletries, did you have shampoo, conditioner, and soap with you? No. So what were you not using all of it? No, I used one day. I just spread it out over the, you know. What I do is I take the bottle of shampoo, even though I got no, that's exactly the noise, by the way. I'm very proud of that. That's a good noise. Yeah. And I put it and I wash my hair. Yeah. And I don't even put the cap on nothing. I take the conditioner. It's a little lower. Do you notice that? Just yeah. a little bit looks more viscous. And I put that on my hair, and I use the hotel soap, and I'm done. So there's nothing left to take home. But when you fly fancy airlines, you know, like British Airways yeah. and stuff, and you fly in the upper classes, which I do, they give you a little bag. And in that bag is like eye drops and socks and a uh, mask and a refresher for your face and all this stuff in there, right? Yeah. So I open the bag, I peek in, I close the bag. I'm pretty much done. There's a pen there to make out your um, your customs form. Yeah. But of course, I just hand my customs form to Glenn. So I don't need the pen. He's going to fill out everything. Because if I fill out the custom form, the uh, British government would say, you don't write well enough to come into our country. That's my excuse. Actually, it's laziness, but let's not get it. I just hand it to Glenn. Fill this out. And he fills it out. You know, someday he could just fill out, you know, um, uh, pedophile. Yeah. It would go permanently into my record. Because there's a space for it. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's just a check, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I got back from a trip, right? And my wife said to me, where's the little bag they give you? Did they give you one on the plane? I said, oh, yeah. She said, where is it? I said, I... It's on the plane. She said, well, I'd like it. And my wife has a collection of these upper-class airline bags. I have the collection, too. You do? I may have given up taking toiletries from hotels, Uh but I'm uh, not above taking those little bags because you can reuse them for things. Are, Are they all reused or are they filed in your house? Three of them are reused. Okay. Yeah, Delta used to make this like hard case little shell thing. And uh, we used to put magic tricks in them. Oh, yes. So it was professional that yeah, you were taking this. Exactly. It means the whole flight is a tax write off. Now, when you, <laughs> when you, when you uh, do a film shoot yeah. or a television shoot, craft services, have you ever taken something from craft services to eat later? 
No. No, okay, good. I was told when I worked in a couple of shoots that some um, pop stars, we worked with very big pop stars. Right. Uh, I was told that some pop stars empty out craft services and take everything with them home. You're kidding. And don't seem to realize that the record company is charging everything back to them. Right. It's certainly more expensive to buy your granola bars and cheese crackers through a record company that's setting up a film shoot and hiring another company to do craft services that is marking it up. When I was touring with Mumford & Sons, they would take their rider home with them because they were very aware that they were paying for it. Right. So Mumford & Sons all took their riders back? Yeah. Every single thing? Every single thing. They were like, well, we're going to get the use out of this. What was in their rider? Uh, various bottles of like Jack Daniels and whatever. I see. I'm not interested in riders because I don't drink. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you're interested in riders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like my rider is just like, uh, what is our rider? It's, it used to be Perrier water and Red Bull, sugar-free Red Bull. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped drinking Red Bull. So now it's just Perrier water. I mean, yeah. you can't, that's not exciting. Between shows, you have a catered meal. I have. Who caters that? I don't know. Whoever they make do it, they make something. Does that mean that the Rio have room service? No, not the the Rio would do room service, but I don't mean at the Rio. I mean when we're on the road. Oh, I have sound check at four thirty. Okay, and then at um at like sound check at four, and then at about five or five thirty, we go into a room and there's food for the whole crew. Yeah, there's a separate area of food for me. You're kidding. And there's brown rice, oh, okay. beans, potatoes, sweet potatoes, broccoli. Uh, fruit and um, carbonated water. But this is a new thing. Since I since, since I was fat, it's been seven years now. It's still the new thing okay, in, in the time frame. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you've had a career of whatever it is now, 57 years. 47 years. Okay, I was 10 years off. Mm -hmm. So, Which is only 25% off, which is even weirder. Exactly. <laughs> the fact that you can overlook 10 years off. <laughs> So before that, though, before you went vegan, all the food was together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, I was unlike Paul McCartney in a few ways. We're both the cute ones of our group, but we have differences. And one difference is Paul McCartney is, I don't think vegan, but vegetarian. And his whole crew was forced to eat that too. Right. Yeah. I can't resist a free uh, meal at um, a theater. Mm -hmm. Whatever they put out, I'm eating it. Yeah, you eat meat and everything? Yeah, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what diet I'm on. It's free, it's hot, it looks delicious, I'm going in. Mm -hmm. It does look delicious. They do a good job. They do a good job. Now, going back to the Rio, where do you get your food from at the Rio? From the Rio, if I, if I want food there, but usually I go home for supper. So the Rio does room service? They will for me, yes. Well, what about for the guests? I think they do for the guests, too. Oh, do they? I think so. Because the Flamingo doesn't do room service. Oh, uh, yeah. Therefore, well, room service is always a loss leader. You know that. I didn't know that. They, they lose money on room service all the time. I have a room service story you might find interesting. I'm ready for it. I have a uh, friend who, when he was very, very young, okay, very young, like um, 18, he's about my age now, but when he was uh, like 18 or 19, he lived in Minnesota. And he Which had. Which is a, my favorite word to say in the American language. Let's hear it. Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. 
When I say that I'm from Massachusetts to Hondro, yeah. who's Spanish, he just laughs out loud. He said Massachusetts is the funniest word to any Spaniard. He said the fact that there's a place called Massachusetts makes him laugh his ass off. And he can't believe I'm from that. He just goes, it's amazing you're from the funniest place you could be. <laughs> Minnesota. And they had Elvis playing his last tour. He didn't know it, of course, but his last tour. And he was playing uh, Minnesota. And he was staying in the hotel where my friend worked. And they said since the king was staying in the hotel, and they blocked off the whole floor, and they put tinfoil over all the windows as he required, so it would be completely dark. And Elvis demanded, or his Colonel Parker demanded, that there be room service, 24 hours for Elvis, so that he could uh, he could have whatever he wanted any time he wanted. This is fat, crazy, drugged out Elvis, right? Right. So they. I just saw the movie. I'm very very aware okay. of this period. I didn't see the movie because I thought Moulin Rouge was so terrible that I didn't like it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to mess up Elvis. But you like the movie? I like the movie. Good. Except that Elvis died when he was 42, which mm. just so happens to be how old I am now. That <laughs> <laughs> was a little unnerving. Yeah, because you've done so much more than he did right, in those exactly. years. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Elvis, 41-year-old Elvis, was staying in Minnesota. And my friend was elected because he was the... Uh, youngest and had no seniority, to stay overnight, an overnight shift, where he was sitting in a kitchen, a fully stocked hotel kitchen, alone, from when room service closed, which was 10, until when room service opened the next morning, which was 6 a.m. So he had eight hours to sit, and he had a phone in front of him where there was one person who could call that phone. One person, and that was Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. And he was there to prepare any food that Elvis wanted and to deliver it to him. He was one-man room service for Elvis. And at 4 a.m., that phone rang. It was not Elvis's voice. It was someone else's. And they said, Elvis would like a pot of black coffee and a pack of Marlboro Reds. So he cooked the Marlboro Reds. <laughs> so he went out and bought a pack of cigarettes and got his pot of coffee and brought them up and left them outside the door for Elvis. And that was his one moment of glory. He brushed with fame. Oh. But if you, uh, if you want to know what Elvis needed at 4 a.m., pack of Marlboros and... Uh, now you would think... That with the number of drugs he was taking, right. that coffee and cigarettes wouldn't even be noticed, right? Exactly. But. I used to smoke, and after like two cigarettes, then like you don't notice cigarettes anymore. Mm -hmm. You're just puffing slightly foul-tasting air. How much did you puff? How much did you smoke? I used to smoke maybe 10 a day. Oh, 10 cigarettes a day? Yeah. Half pack? Half a pack a day. Yeah. What brand? Like uh, players or no, I senior get, service? I used to get the crush ones when I was here. They're these cigarettes that have got a little ball of menthol inside them. Oh, and, you, and you bite down on them, and then they go all menthol -y. Yeah. Those are illegal now, I believe. They're illegal now? I believe so. Why is that? Because they don't want flavored cigarettes anymore because it makes people smoke. Well, fair enough. I, 
Well, except you could just, if you're going to put legislation in, I remember there was that tobacco guy that I really liked when they, um, I mean, this is all going to be wrong, by the way, this whole story. This is why I remembered it. But they were doing hearings, the big tobacco corporations right. on how they had addicted the population and they should, um, they should be punished for this. And they had a big executive of like Philip Morris or something in front of Congress. And they said to him, you know, how can you justify this? And shouldn't you stop selling cigarettes and so on? And he said, essentially, uh, your Congress makes cigarettes illegal. I'm a very successful CEO. I'll move to another company like that. I'll be hired like that. Makes no difference to me. If you think cigarettes should be not available in the United States, pass legislation, make that happen. I'll move on to another job. I don't care. But if you're asking me what I'm going to do to run my company, I've been hired to hire to run the company the best way I can. So just make it illegal and save us all the trouble. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> not... You don't want us having little flavored candy things in the cigarettes? Ban all cigarettes now, tomorrow. I'll get another job. And there's so much contained in that idea, right? It's like... You'll be putting all the people under me out of work because they won't move over easily. Right. That's included in what he's saying, right? Go ahead, do that. Just do it. I just want you to do it, not me. That's right. Yeah. yeah, let that be on you. It was like uh, when um, Glenn, I won't say who it was, uh, but Glenn was talking to one of the owners of a big casino in town, right? Yeah. And this was during the lockdown, and the casino uh, uh, owner said, um, I think we're going to open up and allow gaming back in. And Glenn said, do you think that's wise? I mean, isn't that transmitting a lot of disease? And he says, well, if I leave it shut down, that all these people are out of work and they're panicked, and I get hundreds of letters and complaints saying, you're killing me, you're killing my family, you're destroying everything, because they haven't got the work and they want to go to work. Right. And if I open it, those letters stop, and I get the same amount of letters from people saying, you're spreading the virus, you're doing a horrible thing. And he said, so, Glenn, uh, I'm the owner of the hotel, but you tell me. Just tell me. Whatever you say, I'll do. Do I open or not? <laughs> and so Glenn said, let's open Las Vegas. And they did. It's just so funny. Uh it's so rare that someone does that. You right. Know? It's so rare that someone just says when they're being attacked, uh, good, good, okay. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll have no more discussion. You don't have to attack me for my bad decisions. You don't have to do anything. Just what do I do? You just made a decision for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you'll have no complaints, right? Right. Good. Everything will be solved. <laughs> just do that for me right now. Giving out smoking was the w hardest thing I've done. That was a nightmare. You were a fucking junkie. It was a nightmare. You were a junkie. Yeah, gave up that much easier than smoking. <laughs> One day I decided, oh, I shouldn't take morphine anymore. Put it all in the cupboard. <laughs> it wasn't a cupboard for a year before I decided I should throw it away. Really? Yeah. You just stopped taking morphine. I stopped taking After morphine. After more than a year, right? After Three years. Three, three, and a half, three and a half years. Three and a half years addicted to morphine. Yeah, taking it every day. You put yep. it in the cupboard to stop. I decided that it wasn't good for me anymore. 
<laughs> I said, no more morphine, left it in the cupboard. And then a year later, I was like, I should probably throw that away just to be sure. Well, you know, my uh, mother-in-law is a big drug counselor. Right. You know, and she's very, uh, she's very, very good and very helpful to a lot of people. She's wonderful. She's just wonderful. But I told her that Martin Mull has this great story. Martin Mull was a incredibly bad alcoholic, really bad. Uh, he drank devastating amounts for many, many years of his life. And he went into his doctor one day, and the doctor said to him, um, you're an alcoholic, and it's killing you. You're really, really doing badly. And Martin could function on huge amounts of alcohol. He functioned, had some of his biggest career successes on that. You could even paint. He was one, I mean, not like even, like a lot of painters are alcoholic, I suppose. But um, the doctor said to him, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go home tonight. And you're going to sit in your favorite chair and you're going to pour yourself a big, big glass of your favorite alcohol, the one you love drinking the most, a big glass, maybe the biggest you've had. And you're going to sit in your comfortable chair, play whatever music you like, maybe have a book, maybe you have a fire, that'll be great. And you're going to sit there and you're going to really deeply enjoy that glass of alcohol. Because it's the last one you'll have in the rest of your life. And Martin said, okay. <laughs> and Martin did that. And that was it? Yep. No. Yeah, that was it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hasn't drank, not a drop since. Well, I... No AA, no going to God, no anything. Just had that one drink, then left. And I tell my uh, mother-in-law that, and she says, no. I said, what do you mean, No. No, that's not how it happened. Right. Yeah. I say, well, yes, it's it's what happened. No, no, he's going to relapse or something. Oh, he's in his late, late 80s. <laughs> he's not going to relapse. But you just stop morphing like that. Stop morphing like that. Held on to it for a year. <laughs> then threw away. Alcohol. Threw it away is the odd part. Couldn't you have flipped it and made some coin? Yes, I could have. I guess you're seeing my morality here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, you steal the um, hotel amenities. Right. You take those with you. I would flip medical morphine for some decent money. Jade is the is the worst hotel criminal because <laughs> she takes towels, no, bathrobes. There are some hotels that have the uh, the the shower gel in a bottle mounted to the wall. She <laughs> she knows. The best hotel. When we used to go on the road, there was one in Nashville that used to do molten brown products, uh, nailed, you know, nailed to the wall. She would take empty bottles and just like siphon the whole thing into one new bottle, take that home with us. We had a uh, shower gel for the year. It was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. But let's get back to it. So you quit morphine like this. Yeah. Now, you were also drinking alcohol at some point. Yeah, I had to quit that. I had three, I had three bad drinks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first one, I got booked to do Ian McKellen's 70th birthday party. Mm -hmm. And everybody who was everybody in British acting was there. Mm -hmm. So Patrick Stewart was there. Alan Rickman was there. Uh, all, everyone. Okay. And they had um, somebody going around topping up the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I was drinking champagne mm -hmm. doing card tricks and someone was topping it up 
Mm-hmm. And after about three hours of this, I was blind drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and after five hours of this, I suddenly realized that I didn't know where the last two hours had gone. <laughs> it was 10 o'clock and now it was midnight and I had no recollection of any of that. <laughs> so at the party, there was a, um, they had a performance by the, uh, a show called Le, so- Le Soiree, uh-huh. which was a spin-off of a show called Le Clique. And uh, Le Soiree is actually how Absinthe came about. Mm-hmm. So... It was my dream to work in the soiree. Unfortunately, I was drunk off my face. <laughs> so when that moment came to audition for them, because I'm at Ian McKellen, you know, I'm the guy that Ian McKellen booked for his party. <laughs> yeah. That's already on my resume. Yeah. And I've got all my magic stuff with me to impress people. Uh-huh. I'm ready to go. And all I did was drunkenly pull sponge rabbits off of the show producer's shoulders. <laughs> Wally just stared at me like, who, who is this clown? Uh, so that was, that was number one. Number two was um, I went to a party, had a lovely time, went home. The next day went back to where the party was because it was actually like this show that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was shown all these photos of me <laughs> of which I had zero memory of. <laughs> in rather compromising positions all over the place i was like who's that guy it looks like you got somebody to dress up like me who has the same skin as me and do all these outrageous things and then the final drink was i was staying in a in an apartment and they had a gate and they had a, a gate code uh-huh. okay and i took the, i i said to my friend what's the gate code he wrote it down for me i put it in my pocket i went left, got incredibly drunk, came home, went to the gate, reached in my pocket, couldn't find the piece of paper. Uh-huh. I was like, oh dear, it looks like I'm going to have to scale this 16-foot high gate covered in spikes. <laughs> so I scaled the 16-foot gate covered in spikes, sort of like tumbled over the top of it, landed, got to the door, went to get my key and found the scrap of paper. <laughs> I was like, mm, something about my brain function is not as effective as it usually is. And my final drink was uh, I had one glass of wine with my friend. Mm-hmm. So those, those three, I was blind drunk. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, this is an issue. But the problem with being blind drunk is you're already too far down the path of drinking to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. By the time you had three or four glasses of whatever, it's like the decision to stop drinking is, is yeah. not there anymore. So the final drink I had was, it was uh, my birthday. I went out for dinner with my friends. I had a glass of wine. It was delicious. Uh, Somebody said, would you like another glass of wine? I said, yes, please. I took one sip from the glass of wine, and I thought, hmm, maybe I should get back together with my (laughs) ex-wife. And I suddenly realized it was the second glass of wine. The first sip of the second glass, all logic no longer existed. <laughs> and I saw it in such clarity that I poured the glass away and never drank again. There you go. Yeah. Yep, yep. And it was easy. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't struggle with it at all. We're going to get to the cigarettes after I talk about Masterclass. Want to hear about Masterclass? Yes, please. Yeah, because you're in Masterclass. Yes. Yes, yes. 
With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to do magic from Penn and Teller. You can learn that. The Masterclass is really good. You know, it's really good. Johnny Thompson, me, Teller, you, Matt Donnelly, Jade, all in it, and shot beautifully. Weren't you impressed with that? Oh, yeah. Cameras everywhere. Cameras all are- on those fancy rails. Yeah. So they slide and glide. Yeah, and really well edited and put together and great. And we're not the only ones. I mean, also, everybody else has done a master class. Steve Martin, Neil Gaiman. Uh, who's that cook? Gordon Ramsay. The guy who does a hostage negotiating thing. Yeah, he does that too. Basketball players, uh, astronauts. There's a zillion of them, and it's all for one price. And Reddy watches them all the time. I mean, they're really handy. Any platform you can watch them on, any time you can watch them on, any order. There's also other PDFs that come with it. What you been watching recently there, Reddy? I just watched the Duffer Brothers. The Duffer Brothers do Stranger Things, right? Yeah, the writer-director of those. Uh-huh. And was that illuminating? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. One thing they talk about that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago is uh, walking mm-hmm. to clear your mind and think in different ways. It seems like everyone who is creative takes walks. Yeah. We read the same book, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Ev- everyone takes a three-hour walk. Yeah. <laughs> so do the Duffer Brothers, right? Yeah. Another thing they said is that your outlines should take longer than your actual writing. Well, yeah, a lot of people say that. That's really smart. That's really smart, yeah. That's where the work should really come, yeah. And then there's stuff you learn. Like, I'm not, I mean, I don't, this is heartbreaking to me to say this sentence, but I'm going to say it. I'm not going to be an astronaut. Right. But I watch the astronaut one, and there's a lot of stuff they say that just applies in general. We've had a lot of people who watch the Penn and Teller Masterclass who said that even though they don't do magic, there was other stuff that that taught them how to put stuff together, how to live their life. So it's really good. It's accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering class on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors like you and me, at the top of their fields like you and me. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace. Each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, and more. You can find available classes at masterclass.com calm it's uh it's a really really good thing i highly recommend you check it out get unlimited access to every master class and as a penn sunday school listener you get 15 percent off an annual membership go to masterclass.com slash pen that's masterclass.com slash pen for 15 percent off master class that's a good deal that's a really good deal okay have you heard about this you probably haven't heard about this piff and just going to change your life speedify have you ever accidentally dropped out of an important zoom call because of a flaky wi-fi connection yeah or struggled to upload or download a file while away from home i have i have a zoom call with my therapist yeah and the other day, everything she was saying kept on cutting out. And I'm like, wait, wait, these are the answers I'm paying for. This is the bit I need. <laughs> Have you ever wished that there was something out there that could improve your internet for better speeds and better overall experience? Yes, please. Okay, good. This is what you do. Speedify takes everything and lumps it together. What if you could use more than one internet connection at the same time, like the coffee shop Wi-Fi and the cellular data collection on your phone for combined speed and reliability? It puts everything together. You get more than one Wi-Fi, it mixes them all up. 
Speedify is the only app that can combine multiple internet sources into one bonded super connection to improve live streaming, video calling, gaming, web browsing, and everything you do online. Available for all devices, PC, Mac, iPhone, Android, even Linux. Use any type of combination of internet connection to improve your performance. Runs in the background, simple to use. It's really good. I've been using it. It's great. You can see it hopping around. It hops around to try to find the best the best combination of connections. What are you waiting for? You deserve better internet and Speedify can help deliver it. Try Speedify risk-free for seven days and get 20% off your order with promo code PEN. Simply visit speedify.com slash PEN. That's S-P-E-E-D-I-F-Y dot com slash P-E-N-N. Oh, I should have spelled it. It would have been better that way, yeah. yeah. But Speedify is a really good thing. You should not. Okay, you check uh, it out. Now, Piff. Yes. We've gotten over morphine. Yeah, kick, we've gotten, kick morphine. We've, we've kicked alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. Oh, I should get together with my ex-wife. That did it. That did it. Now, cigarettes. What a nightmare. I tried to quit for ages, and they just kept sneaking back up on me. It took me a year. When I, took, when, when I quit, it was a whole. It was 12 months every day waking up going, oh, I could, I could do with a cigarette right now mm-hmm. for 12 months. I have a good friend who said the best thing about brushing your teeth in the morning is how good it makes that first cigarette taste. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And if, I mean, eventually I, I, I quit because when I was with Jade originally, I was smoking and she didn't like me smoking. I didn't know that. You were smoking when I first met you? Yeah. Uh, no. Not when you first met me. You started it after? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then I smoked for about... Two or three years, I think. Wow. And then I had to quit. Yeah, I I had to admit I was smoking in order to quit. Yes. I used to hang out with friends, and they'd have a cigarette, and I'd have a cigarette with them. Right. You know, and then I was running movie shoots, you know, like we did our movies. I would bum cigarettes off the crew and then tell the prop people to buy more cigarettes and give them to the crew. Right. So I wouldn't be buying cigarettes. Yeah. And then I finally realized I was smoking about 10 cigarettes a day and said, okay, now I'm smoking, now I can quit. Right. And how difficult was it for you? It wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. Exactly. Yeah. It's, just, it's sneaky. It's definitely one of the things you think, oh, I just, I just won't smoke anymore. Yeah. But, but I could Many people think that morphine is hard to quit. Yeah, but... Morphine is a big deal to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got to go all in on that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you go, hey, maybe I should just have a little more morphine today. <laughs> that's like a big deal. Yeah. Whereas cigarettes, they're they're difficult to quit because they're just so easy to pick up. Uh-huh. And and everyone, you know, you go out all the time. Or like a bunch of people smoke. It's very easy to just bum a cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's not quite so easy to uh, <laughs> to get morphine. Yeah. Well, it depends on the circle you hang out in, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. How's everything else? Are you doing, uh, how are you doing? You know, we both ride the Carol bike. Yes. It's hard, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And does it rate you? The what? It rates, it yeah. rates me. Yeah. It gives yeah. me like three stars or two stars. Yeah. And it tells me, what's this octane score? I don't understand yeah. what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it means either. That must be like the combined, like your combined yeah. effort that day when it takes into account how hard you pedaled versus how quickly i just hit 52.4 what's your <laughs> octane score you want 52.4 was mine you're kidding 52.4 i'm my, my the best one i have is 23.8 and i have no idea how i achieved it 
for those who don't know, Carol is a bike that kicks your ass. Yeah. It's it's uh it's this it's a next generation of hit uh high intensity interval training. And it it's so sneaky. It'll be 8 minutes and 40 seconds. That's all you got to do. And it's only hard for 20 seconds at a time twice. Yeah. Only 40 seconds of bad. And you go Is it even 8 minutes? It's 8 minutes of resting. Is it? Yeah, 3 3 and 2. Yeah, you're right. And then 40 seconds of hard work. Yeah. And you feel it the rest of the day. Right. Because it makes it miserable for you. And then the fat burn is even worse. Now you've done the fat burn. I've done the fat the burn. 60 I, in, the 60. I do 15. I do 15. But have you done 30. the 60? I haven't done that. Oh, my God. That makes... I don't think I could do the 60. Because oh. I do it full out every yeah. interval. Yeah. Eight seconds on, 12 seconds on. Because it tells you you can miss the next one. Mm -hmm. It says, hey, go easy on yourself. Skip yeah. the next one. And I'm like, screw you, Carol. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm pedaling full pelt. Yeah. But how did you get 50 octane? I don't know. I'm good, I guess. It may be, it may be size. Right. Maybe that I'm just putting out more because I'm bigger. Maybe. Because I'm twice your size. Yeah. So that would put it about in the right, right attitude. I right? guess so, yeah. yeah. But I love it. Yeah. I do too. I do it every other day. I do it most days mm -hmm. because I do it as a warm up to working out. Mm -hmm. Even though Jason says that it doesn't count as a warm up, because that's the worst bit about working out for me is the ten minute warm up. Uh -huh. You know where, like, when I was working with Jason, I'd have to like walk on a treadmill for ten minutes mm -hmm. before I was working out, mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait, hang on a second, my hour long workout now just increased by ten minutes. Yeah. Well, I've had to stop, start doing these other things. I have to do balance exercises now, which are really foolish. Why are you doing balance exercises? Because I'm falling over, Piff. You're uh, falling over? My inner ear is not very good. Right. So I went into a balance center, and they have this torture device that's really, first of all, this very perky, dangerously perky, bubbly perky uh, physical therapist meets with you, and she's very perky. Very perky. She has blonde hair, and she's perky. Okay. Okay? And she also is trying to get into Cirque du Soleil in the evening because she does acrobatics. Right. So this woman has never had a problem falling over. First of all, she's 5'2". There's no place to fall. No. Right. My height. Yeah. You can't fall. No. But at six foot seven, you can fall. So I tell her, you know, I used to have pretty good balance. I, I, ride, I rode unicycles. I even did some wire walking, you know what I mean? I, I did s some gymnastics at Ringling Brothers, and uh, so I have really good balance, but now I don't. And when I'm on stage, when the spotlight goes out and I'm in the dark for a moment, I am very wobbly on my feet. Right. So she says, let's put you in the box. Uh-oh. And I go, okay. So she puts a harness on me like I'm going to fucking parachute, right? Right. And I kind of smile at her. You know, she's... 24 years old, 25 years old, whatever. She's perky. She's in great shape. I go, yeah, I don't, I don't think I need a harness. And then they hooked the harness to the ceiling, right? Right. So I'm there and I go, I'm okay, really. I, this is really, you know, I don't, I don't think I need this. And she puts me in a box and she says, if you move your feet even a half inch, we count that as a fall. If you wave your arms around, we count that as a fall. You stand very, very still. And I say, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, well, we move the walls a little. 
I go, move the walls? And she goes, yeah. And also later on, we'll start moving your feet. And I go, what? She goes, the floor will move and the walls will move. And all you've got to do is not fall over. And she goes, if you do fall over, it's no problem because you're in a harness. I go, this harness, probably a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm in the box. I have my back to her. And she says, okay, just stay still. And the walls move. And I go, "Eh, no big deal, right? And then the feet move. I mean, the the actual floor slides out from under me, you know, back and forth. And I go, oh, that's okay. And she goes, "Uh, now close your eyes. I go, uh, beg your pardon? (laughs) She goes, close your eyes. We're going to do the same stuff. I said, okay. So the second I close my eyes, already I'm unsteady on my feet. Right. Right, already. And then she goes, okay, here we go. And the floor is moving, and I'm like falling all over the place. And she goes, oh, your score is less good with your eyes closed. I go, no shit. Right? I I need a harness to tell that? Yeah. And then she says, we're going to do the surprise section to see how quick you recover. I said, what? She goes, surprise section. So what you do is you stand there. And now we're going to move the floor abruptly and violently at random times. I go, okay. Why? Why? Quit it! Quit it! Stop it! And I'm like, ah! Then she goes, okay. Same thing. Close your eyes. And then I come out, and she goes, well, for a man your age, which is not really what you want to hear. That's never a good stop. No, for a man your age. Your balance with your eyes and with your body is very good, better than average, tremendous. But as you suggested, when you close your eyes, you fall over. Right. I said, yes. We, we put me in the box to find that out. Good. And uh, then she says, here's the exercises you have to do. And then she gives me these exercises. I have to, I have to fold my arms over my chest like I was dead. And I have to stand with my feet in certain positions and wave my head in big circles and stuff like that, trying to get dizzy, trying to fall over. Then I do it again with my eyes closed. And it's really hard. And I said, let me just just tell me this. Am I going to improve? I mean, I'm 67 years old. Do I just die? I mean, she goes, eight weeks, and this, this can be fixed. I go, really? She said, yes. All it means is your inner ear got a little bit off and you stopped using it. She said, you started using your eyes and everything more. So it's gotten out of practice. So we're going to retrain your inner ear to balance. So that's what I'm doing now. Because usually Mm -hmm. it's just a one-way street at that point. Things go wrong. I have a feeling we're all going to die. Yeah. Things go wrong. There's no fixing them. Right. At some point. Well, that's it. Well, you're not that old yet. You still have, you can still fix things. Can I? Yeah. Because my toe went numb and I haven't, and that's just been, my toe's numb now for the last three years. <laughs> that's not fixing itself. I don't know. It's not going to fix itself, but there's some stuff you can fix. Like you can not be a fat fuck and you can get your, you know, cardio, respiratory, all that good. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it's not like. Oh, boy, Piff, you just wait in 30 years, you're going to feel great. No. That's not true. That's not happening. No. So I'm going to try to balance a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, eight weeks, what you got to lose? Yeah. Your balance. Yeah. (laughs) 
But you know, it is uh, annoying. And you know how much I move on stage? You know how I shuffle around all the right. time? Well, luckily, when I start to fall over on stage, I just do that and people haven't noticed. They haven't said, wait a minute, are you falling over on stage? They just say, boy, you shuffle a lot on stage. Yeah. I've solved it that way. When did your shuffling start? Was that after your weight loss? No, no, I've always shuffled a lot. Really? Paced and shuffled, and yeah. But I think you got, I think you got lighter on your feet. I did, that. I did, I did. They used to be giving, doing monologues and stuff. Just my actual size gave me a certain kind of uh, strength. You know, like there's a big guy on stage yelling at us, right? And then when I lost all that weight, my voice, my tone changed a little bit. In my voice. And my body changed so much that I, I, I kind of made up for it with jumping around a bit. Yeah. You don't move much on stage. No, I'm quite planted. Yeah, you're planted. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, Johnny Thompson, when he would coach anybody on magic, he would say, stay still, you're not Pendulet. <laughs> right. <laughs> because he knew that as soon as he said, stay still, they were going to say, don't you work with Penn and Teller? Right. Doesn't he run all over the stage, run out of the light, hop up and down, turn his back on the audience? So Johnny had to put it right in the, the discussion. I turn my back on the audience a lot. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Because you never know when you're going to get taken out. <laughs> you never know. You're still flying in? You're still oh, flying yeah. In. Still flying in. Uh, we've got a new trick in the show. Is it the the, the dog peeing? The dog peeing is yeah. in the show and it's killing. Yeah. Mock saw it. Yeah. Mock saw it. And Mock said that um, well, that's a lot of money for that one trick that's kind of disgusting, but really funny. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's the way you do it. One thing you need to learn, Mox, in magic is that you can't decide how much time you get out of something right. by how much you pay for it. Exactly. And it is any drink named. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Amazing. It's like the audience member just names whatever drink they like, and the dog pees it out. Yeah. And you see the dog peeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to do it on America's Got Talent this year. Yeah. I've just got to convince them that having a dog pee live on national television is uh, in the interest of the nation. <laughs> and it is. And it is. And it is. And that was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. You know, you could be a whole treatment center yourself. Morphine, alcohol, cigarettes, you've done it all. Done it all, baby. Now, why did you start cigarettes when you were like... Because I was touring, and I had nothing else to do. So, while there's nothing to do, I, was, I took up smoking. Also, I was given a free lighter. Wow. I know we love you. Free lighter. We know we lo hey, Matt Donnelly, you anybody to thank? It's time to thank some loyal members of our congregation here on Patreon. Big thanks goes out to Samuel Stewart, artisanalsudoku.substack.com. The guy that became a member because he rolled double sixes. <laughs> That's awesome. Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Ben Price, Shane Farah, Matt Williams, plus a $110 boner office. Soapy Fresh, Dang Griffith, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Steve Feldman, Shanathan P, NewRuleFX.com, 
Eric M. Ryan, Chris Tehachapi Loop McKenney, Gary Cornley, Danny, hey, good out, does this rag smell like chloroform to you? Ruse, Matthew O'Sullivan, Betsy Batter, Little Mandar, Michael Fitz, the WrestlingIndependent.com, the heartbeat of pro wrestling. And the person who can tell me what plate spring lessons are? Rachel Forrester, Jobeth R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sax Guy Jimmy D, Nathan Julian, Some Guy in Shanghai, Christopher Harris, Manuel Vidal Perez de la Mesa V, Petty Officer Scoop, David K, David Peters, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, The Big Scoop of Podcast.com, Central Park Owl, Lancey Menchu, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, and Brogan Hastings. Thank you all so much. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.